Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, I have a repeat guest, my friend, my colleague, my partner in video, Mr. Tyler Lassard. If you don't know Tyler or didn't catch him on a previous episode, Tyler's a VP of marketing at Vidyard. And I know a lot of you guys know Vidyard. They just completed their benchmark report. And I invited Tyler to come back on, catch up on all things video and share some highlights from that report. Tyler, how are you doing? Oh, it's great to be back, David. I'm doing very well. And I'm, I'm really excited because the world of video in business is just flourishing right it, now. It's, it's flourishing, booming. David. That's the best word I've got. So it's, a, it's an exciting time. Thanks for having me on. I, I have said publicly many times that I have, this, and you know this, that my big, hairy, audacious goal is to do something like I've done for the podcast for video in the MarTech area. I have not started on that goal. Well, I guess not officially. But one day, I hope that when we do a podcast together, I talk to you about that series, that Dimension TV, or whatever it will be called, where I take the goodness of my passion for educating and informing people on all things around sales and marketing technology and do it in a video format. So will you hold me accountable to that goal of achieving that someday? Can I ask that from my friend and partner? You slash we have to do that, David, because you, you hit the nail on the head with respect to what people are using video for right now in business primarily. And it's not about being a like advertising medium, which is fine and great. And it's it's not about being a, a social medium and, and doing walk and talk videos. That stuff's great, too. But the biggest thing everybody's doing with it right now is the obvious thing is explaining complex topics clearly and concisely to help people learn, right? Whether it's like top of funnel content, whether it's learning through the buyer's journey, that's where all the focus is right now. And uh, it's just like, it's it's such an easy idea, but so many people miss it of just that simple notion. Oh yeah, video is just the perfect way to explain and provide clarity. And there's lots of ways to do that. So that's exactly what you need to do in the world of MarTech and video is the way to do it, my man. It, it is. I, I learn so much on YouTube. I know that is the source of knowledge and information uh, very much for my kids. And I also know that you know I like to share um, education and inspiration in video, not just for work, but on the personal mm -hmm. side. In fact, in the last year, I got a home automation system for my sprinklers, and it's, it's called Ratio. And it came out, and when I got the box, I, vid I recorded a whole series of me unboxing it and then programming it and setting it up and wiring it, and I released that that series on YouTube and to my surprise had thousands and thousands of views because apparently what <laughs> everybody else wanted to who was buying the thing was like, how do you configure this thing and set it up and attach yeah. it to my existing sprinkler system? And so I love experimenting with building videos on topics or things. You know, I'm a geek, so I loved home yeah. automation technology. I'm also really into drones, as you know. So I've made a lot of drone videos as well on how to you know, wire up drones and, and solder and and build these racing drones and what technology to use. And I'm surprised just how viral they, they get. My most viral video that I've ever built was with a drone, but it was, uh, it was how, to, how to fly a drone while skiing. And that one did really, really well. I think you've seen parts of that before when I've been out talking about video. Anyway, I would love to hear, and I'm sure the audience would, about the benchmark results because yeah. video is all the rage, but you you have a macro view of that. And so if you could share some of the highlights, that'd be cool. And then I also want to catch up on some things that are exciting in your world and at a Vidyard. 
Yeah. So uh, let me. Uh, I'll use what we were just talking about as a as a segue into that because it's actually quite relevant, not specifically drone videos, uh, but this idea of you know different styles of videos that are really meant to educate because that is one of the biggest trends we're seeing. Um, but just to set the context for those listening, uh, here at Vidyard, each year we publish uh, our video and business benchmark report, and this is an analysis of all of our own first party data from all of the different businesses using our platform for video hosting and management. And we look at uh, everything from uh, the lengths of videos that people are publishing, you know, how many videos they're publishing. Uh, we supplement it with some uh, survey-based information on the kinds of videos they're publishing. We look at audience engagement rates. There's all sorts of things we peel back to figure out what's really happening um, year over year. And one of the biggest shifts from 2018 to this year, 2019, uh, was this move of video in these companies from purely top of funnel assets to what I like to say as full funnel video. Mm -hmm. And we saw this manifest itself in a couple of ways. One was, um, you know, absolutely year over year, we saw an increase in the average number of videos being published by businesses. But the biggest spike there was actually in smaller companies. So large companies have always published a lot of videos because they have lots of different departments and lots of complicated things happening. But this this, uh, in 2019 and going back over the, the last 12 months, there was this huge spike in the number of videos being published by smaller businesses within our base. And to me, that was a sign that, you know, these are companies who don't have big budgets, uh, but what they do have is a voracious appetite to generate demand. And so these are companies that are investing in, you know, often in-house produced uh, educational content to help explain customers through that buying process. And the uh, survey-based information uh, supported that thesis where we saw more and more companies reporting that they are investing in mid-funnel and bottom-of-funnel style videos um, in in greater uh, form than they were, you know, the previous 12 months. So it's exciting to see that trend because I think what it means for all of us is, uh, you know, it's two things. And, and one is it's a trend towards creating video content that's actually less expensive and easier to create. Because when you're doing advertising and promos, right, that's where you got to bring out the big guns. Mm -hmm. You got to hire a production agency and you got to tell a big story because you're trying to get people's attention. But as you're moving through the funnel, this is about topics you know and love, right? And it's stuff we've written about in blogs. It's stuff we talk about in podcasts. Now's the time to take those same messages and put them in video format and get them to people in a way that is, you know, more relevant to how they want to learn, that is more interesting in terms of how they consume the content. And frankly, just being visual makes it more memorable memorable, right? It's an easier and better way to learn. Um, so I think that's a really uh, a really big, important um, trend that we're seeing and, and something that I think all of you in demand gen roles can really appreciate the power of video as that educational medium to move somebody from one stage to the next. It's, it's interesting because um, you and I have known each other now for about six years since you started at Vidyard is, is when we met. And I feel like every year you and I are out, out evangelizing the use and adoption of mm-hmm. video. And I feel like is there going to be a year in the near, near future where we don't feel the need to do that? Like where B2B companies right. have really ingested video and, and people haven't ingested, you know, take, taken it and said, you know what, uh, I'm going to build some, some videos. Maybe I'm in the customer success department at a company and I'm going to grab my iPhone or a screen recording and just do some show and tell for my clients or use your, like your Go Video app and answer yeah. a question that somebody emails me and just do it with video because it's easy uh, to do it. 
I hope it's not in the too distant, uh, in too distant future. When you guys looked at the uh, the takeaways from the 2018 report, one of the things you mentioned to me was about the length of content. And I know that's something that comes yeah. up a lot. Um, what would the survey uh, produce? And you, you guys looked at what, like 320,000 videos or something like that. It was, a, it was a big study. Yeah, it's it's a massive number of videos in the platform and and millions and millions and millions of streams and um, you know what we what we actually are seeing and this in this area it's actually um, fairly consistent uh, what we've seen the last couple of years which is the distribution of lengths of videos that pu- businesses are publishing um, now over the last two years we've seen that the majority of videos probably not surprisingly are less than two minutes in length mm-hmm. um, and and in 2019 we actually saw again that that continued to to rise. I think it's, you know, um, I think it was almost 75% of the videos published across our entire base, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of videos were less than two minutes in length. And so again, it's a sign that people are creating sort of shorter, you know, I, I, I'll say the word snackable. I'm not a huge fan of it, but it, it helps <laughs> you get the picture, right? So shorter, uh, more snackable content um, that's usually meant to deliver a clear and crisp message. Um, but that said, there is still a distribution um, of uh, longer form video content, which again, we tend to be seen as used throughout the buyer's journey as people are looking to dive deeper into stories and and learn more. And there's on-demand webinars and all of those use cases. Um, But I think the big thing that was an interesting sort of correlated stat this year was that we saw the average engagement time in videos watched went up quite a bit from the previous year. It was the first year we've seen an increase in the average engagement time of videos that our customers are publishing. Um, So in the business world, you know, what that that means to me is, is people are watching longer, which may be because... Well, the average, you know, on average, the videos are shorter. So they're just, you know, they're getting through it and and they're not bailing. It could be. Um, It could be that the quality is getting better, that we're all figuring out, you know, sort of some of the tricks of the trade and making better content. Um, Or, and or it could be, again, back to that first point of more and more of these videos are really targeted, more narrow casting at people who are interested and mid-funnel, bottom-of-funnel content. And these are people that are expecting to want to consume that content. And so, again, I think a lot of these things are, are playing factors together to say there is no one size fits all when it comes to the length or style of a video. Um, but you need to be really thoughtful about where does video fit at each stage of that buying journey? How does that dictate the style of the content, the length, the format? And how can I sort of meet my buyers where they expect uh, throughout that journey and, and not just you know have that mindset of video equals brand advertising? Yeah. When it's uh, you, you brought up about the length. I was thinking back on that sprinkler system how-to video that I made. It actually netted out to be ten segments of two minutes a piece, just under two minutes, mm. instead of me doing one twenty-minute. The reason yeah. I did it that way was twofold. One is I wanted to make it kind of chapter-based because it was okay. Here's the unboxing of it and what came in the box, and some people are interested in that to compare. Did they get all the pieces and what's actually in there if they're thinking of buying it? But then there was how to program the software was its own segment, and how to do the wiring was a separate segment, and then then how to do the mobile app and programming piece, and then some tips and tricks. So I broke it into that because logically there might be different people that are looking at different segments, and I think for everyone listening who's in B two B for the most part when you have complicated products and services, we used to create like hour-long webinars on topics, right? And if the human Mm -hmm. brain we know has a attention span of eight seconds, uh, two minutes is a really 
a really powerful way to take a lot of information and distill it down to what matters most. Where in a webinar, yeah. you can be a little sloppy. You can run on, right. you can you can talk longer on topics or feel that you've got to show every slide for a certain number of minutes because you're talking to it. But when you're producing video, you really, it's like orange juice concentrate. You get it down to the most meaningful uh, stuff. And that happens in the back, right? It, you shoot a lot and you use a little uh, type approach. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it, it underscores a, a point that that I'm very passionate about, which is, you know, when it comes to video, the, the planning stage is, you know, by far the most important stage of the production process. And it's, you know, understanding going into it, you know, what's the story I'm trying to deliver? Again, being mindful of what's the format that I want to use. Uh, but again, being really specific about how am I going to make the most of my audience's time? Because one of the downsides of video, you won't hear me say many down things on video. But one of the things that I do uh, appreciate that is a downside of video is that it's not as skimmable as text-based content, right? right? With text, you can you can just sort of skim through, you can look for things that you want to grab and, and do that. With video, it's not quite the same. So it, it does make it really important for you to think about how can I respect my audience's time um, in the best possible way and deliver them, you know, the information that they're looking for. But again, doing it in a way that is interesting and memorable and high value to them. So that's where you just got to be smart about planning it out and, and thinking about, can I use visuals to support this story, right? If I'm producing a, a series of product demo videos or something that shows our services in action or whatever that happens to be, you know, putting my demand gen hat on, you know, how could I create that in a way that to your point, is likely a series of shorter videos on specific topics, right? Don't give me a 30-minute product demo video because, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, first of all, I'm going to press play. I'm going to see the, that it's 30 minutes long and I'm probably going to run away in fear. Um, but it also makes it hard for me if I'm looking for specific topics to find those. So give me, you know, maybe five six minute videos each on a chunk of that, you know, demo or of that buyer's journey and allow me to self-select what I'm most interested in and consume what is most relevant to me. And I think in that way, you end up with a formula where you can say, hey, not only can I deliver this content in a format that is the way my buyers want to interact with it, um, but as a demand gen person or a marketer or a sales rep, uh, what's also really interesting is uh, if you're using the right tools, I can track and know which one of those videos they actually we're engaging with. And I can say, oh, they watched the first video for a few minutes and then they skipped right down to video number four, which talks about this specific feature. And if you can actually get those insights behind the scenes and then use them to personalize your follow-up, it's it's super powerful, right? It's like being able to spy on somebody while they're reading your PDF and know exactly what they dove into. So there are tricks like that if you're just smart about approaching the style and, and type of the content, yeah. how you kind of package it up, and then how you could use things like the data behind the scenes. It's a different mentality, but it can go such a long way in today's marketing. I got a question for you about your customer base, whether that's covered in the benchmark um, report, I don't know. But since you have so many customers and they're pr all mm -hmm. predominantly B to B or considered purchase, who who uses Vidyard uh, these days? Is it the HP you know enterprise group uh, who's who's doing product demonstrations and explainer videos, or is it smaller SMBs or, or wide smack? And, and other particular industries that are, you're finding that are embracing video faster than maybe other industries? Yeah, it's uh, no, it's it's a great question, and if you um, if you do take a look in the benchmark report, you will see that we have uh, some uh, appendix based information 
that actually breaks out some of the data and trends by industry and by company size. So if you're a, you know, a small business in financial services, you can peel back the information that's specifically relevant to our clients in those two segments. Um, but we do, you know, one of the great things about our business is we service across the board. So we absolutely have, you know, large enterprises, um, you know, companies like Salesforce, Microsoft, AWS are some of our biggest clients. Um, but then we also service uh, small businesses. We've got a strong presence in the HubSpot user community. And we even have, you know, individual pro users that are using our uh, kind of freemium or, you know, individual user products. So it's across the board and that gives us a lot of great visibility into what the trends look like at, at different sizes and different industries. Um, and, and I mentioned one really interesting thing earlier, which is that we saw smaller businesses producing a heck of a lot more content now. Um, part of that uh, sort of a correlated um, finding in the report is that more and more video creation is happening in-house, uh, whether that be through an in-house video producer, whether it be an existing content marketer or social media manager who's got some video chops, right? Whether it's your CEO, like a David Lewis, who, you know, has an affinity for creating video and says, yeah, I'm going to do this, right? Like I can write documents, I can create PowerPoints. Why can't I create videos and put them out there? So more and more of that is happening, whether you're big or small, um, the, the trends are showing more and more in-house content creation and, uh, and production. Um, and the last interesting trend that we saw from an industry perspective was that back in 2017, 2018, uh, technology, particularly B2B tech, was the dominant producer of video content. So our clients in B2B tech mm -hmm. were producing tons and tons of content. Other industries like manufacturing, financial services, pharma, retail, and so on were much lighter. In the last year though, we saw a huge spike in those other markets. The B2B tech uh, space stayed relatively flat year over year, but those other markets, we saw a boom in the amount of content they were producing. Um, and I can't put my finger on exactly why that is, but I think in some of those markets, you know, maybe they're a little bit legacy, maybe Maybe they've been around longer. They're they're changing through business models, and I think a lot of them are you know starting to get on board with modern you know automation, demand gen technologies, and also this idea of creating more authentic personal video content as a way to reshape their brand and and build their market share. That is great to see that we're seeing video move from just the high tech area over into greater adoption in, in cross industries, and I think it's typical, right, that we'll see early adoption by tech because we're in tech, and then it mm -hmm. expands out and makes more sense. And it, it also is not a surprise, and it's good to see that it's more full funnel, not just top of funnel using for lead generation. In fact, I yeah. would think video, one of the best places to use video is for your install base, for onboarding clients, and for having a phenomenal customer experience, because as, as mm -hmm. you know, my passion is like customer experience is everything. And yeah. why not just delight your customers by using video to get them onboarded using and adopting your products and services and just communicating with them because it's way more uh, interactive for sure. We, you and I have also, when we've been on the road together, tried to demystify the technology, the equipment that's needed <laughs> for it. And one of the nice things about doing a podcast, uh, as, as you've discovered, by the way, we'll cover some of the things that Tyler is doing. He launched a podcast recently, so we'll get you that information because I'm subscribed. And I think uh, as, as you have embarked on that journey of podcasting, others should listen in who have a similar passion for video. If So, so for podcasting, I would say a quality studio, the right microphones, the right headsets, uh, you know, an arm or a boom for your mic, a mixer, and I'm assuming you have computer and, and all that, and software is actually pretty much free. 
mm-hmm. $1,500 and you're macked out like top quality CNN broadcasting uh, capabilities. For video, it's not really that much more depending on what you're doing, yeah. also depending on what you're buying. Um, I was an iPhone 7 user uh, for a very long time and I just upgraded to the iPhone 11. And I got to say, with this phone, like the video capability, the production quality of the cameras and the lighting and the motion yep. stabilization, it's it rivals like a $4,000 high-end camera. Yep. And arm it with a little stand from uh, your good friends at Joby and, and a little microphone from Rode, R-O-D-E. Yep. Uh, and you have a fully pimped out video studio in the palm of your hand that you can take anywhere to trade shows and be recording videos, which, by the way, if you want to capture testimonials or engagement by your clients or do little snippets of education and learning because it happens all the time at shows, you've got it in the palm of, of your hand. I like drones, as you know, and I've invested in a, a $1,000 Mavic drone to get some aerial photography that we work into our videos. And when we did shoot some really high-end stuff, as you said, we did bring in some outside folks. And yeah, yeah. it's clean and it's crisp and it's really professional, but you know what? I love the more organic, natural video that much mm-hmm. more. And that's what we're all watching on YouTube today. Yeah. So we don't have to have that super polished uh, video. Sorry for the videographers and companies out there, but we can do it ourselves. And I, I just want to encourage people like you, you've got the devices in the palm of your hands. And if you want to yep. get your lighting right and, and set that up, what are you also seeing, Tyler, maybe the equipment yeah. or tools, maybe on the software side uh, these days? Yeah, no, I, I obviously, you know, really agree with what you're saying. And, and if you want something with, you know, instead of using just your phone, if you want something that's uh, sort of a similar kind of, you know, I can take it with me, I can travel with it, something that has built in stabilization um, and, you know, lots of bells and whistles, just get a GoPro Hero 7 and like $300, $300, right? And that's something you can toss in your bag. I use a DJI Osmo Pocket, same sort of thing. Yeah. It's got built in either hardware-based or software-based stabilization which is a really important thing. Um, and then the, uh, you know, lots of different uh, capabilities with respect to styles of shots and, and so on. So again, really um, phenomenal cameras that you can, you can use either for no additional funds or for a few hundred dollars to, to have around. Um, when you want to move to a, you know, a proper full body kit uh, style camera, um, a DSLR camera and so on, what you're usually looking for there is then the ability to have different lenses and things like that, which you really only want to get into if you are, you know, a video buff that understands and can take advantage of that equipment, right? So, so to your point, don't go out and buy a $1,500 DSLR camera and use it to shoot the same kind of video you could shoot with your iPhone or with a GoPro. Um, if you really understand video and you want to get different styles of shots, you want to get different styles of lighting, these sorts of things, then yeah, you invest a little bit further, but you really don't need to. But to your point, one of the biggest things for any of us is getting comfortable with the software side of the house. So any of us can capture content, but when it comes to things other than the you know, okay, I'm going to film myself. I'm going to upload it immediately to social. That stuff you can do directly. Um, but most of the things we're going to want to put out on our website, on our blog, in, um, you know, in, in different channels, we're going to want to do a little bit of editing on those. And I think that's where a lot of people, again, get get hung up because they're not experienced using video editing software. And so they get so great. I got this 500 megabyte video file on my phone. What do I do with it? Right. And the reality is, like, if you're, if you're savvy 
enough to be listening to this podcast, I can pretty much guarantee you that in about 30 minutes, you could learn how to use um, basic video editing software. That is literally everything you need to create polished videos that have a little bit of audio behind them, um, that have some cutscenes, that add some B-roll, some basic motion graphics, and, and not you know animated stuff, but titles coming in and out. It's actually... I, honestly, I don't think it's any harder than learning how to use PowerPoint. You just have to do it, right? You go, I great, I'm going to install. Yeah, there's things like Adobe Rush. There's iMovie. There's uh, Camtasia. There's lots. There's Lumen. There's lots of great entry-level video editing tools out there. And half of them like have auto wizards that you know do half of it for you. So don't be afraid. Uh, and even if it's something just for your own personal use, I really encourage you all just get to that point where you're comfortable with it. You're trying it out. Um, so even if you're not producing your own videos, you have an appreciation for what that process is. But I bet you you'll start doing your own little bit of editing on the side and you might actually enjoy it. Yeah. I, let, let's give some super practical advice for two guys that have made, you know, embraced video and, and do a lot with it. If you're listening to this and you're thinking right now, where would I incorporate video? One thing is mm -hmm. if you're younger in your career and you know, 20 something, 30 something early in marketing and you're on the content side of marketing, without question, you need to develop these skills. This is almost like us telling you yep. in, in the in the 90s, you need to learn the web, right? So video is here to stay, super powerful form. So where should you get started? Um, if you have an Apple computer, you can use tools like iMovie, which are, are free. If you want to step up your game, uh, there's Final Cut. If you want to go you know, pro level, although, again, not that, in, not that difficult to learn, uh, get Adobe Premiere. Any of those tools are going to enable you to create very, very powerful uh, videos. You, and you can shoot it on your phone or get a camera if you need. In terms of, like, think about PowerPoint, right? When you create a PowerPoint presentation, you need imagery in it and you need graphics in it. Check out VideoHive, V-I-D-E-O-H-I-V-E dot net. By the way, this podcast is sponsored by no one. I am just telling you the tools that I use. And so on VideoHive, you can go there and download amazing, as you said, B-roll and other templates and tools. If you've ever seen a, a YouTuber uh, and they have this really incredible intro, like uh, Peter McKinnon, who I'm a big fan of. You know, his intro is really great. He downloaded like a $10, you know, intro that he just modified uh, in the <laughs> tools, and it looks so yep. professional. So check out videohive.net. There's great music sites, too, that if you need copyright-free music to put in your videos, you can you can do that as well. So just make something. I mean, the holidays are coming up. Maybe make a little Halloween video of your kids getting dressed and going out trick-or-treating and, and, and opening their candy, right? Just something where you're doing different scenes. Like here's a scene of the kids getting dressed. Here's a scene of them trick-or-treating. Do a close-up of them ringing the doorbell, maybe grabbing the candy out of the, the, um, the pumpkin, and then coming back and them digging through their candy and sorting it out and maybe them taking a bite and do some close-ups and wide angles. And if you don't know how to take these shots, just go to go to YouTube and and search, you know, um, how to produce good-looking videos. And you'll find so much stuff that teaches you different camera angles and shots and and pans. I mean, I am all self-taught thanks to YouTube. And I mean, Tyler, what other resources have you used to to up your game? I mean, you work at a video company, so of course you have access to lots of knowledge and insights from your team. But personally, any anything, any advice that you'd give to get people on their journey? Well, the you know I use some of the same resources you mentioned actually, and uh, but my biggest advice, and I know like I said this, I'm going to harp on it. It sounds cliched, but 
just do it and continue to do it, right? Consistency makes it feel like a natural thing. So if you just, if you, if you make a fun little Halloween video, that's great. And you start to get comfortable, but if you then wait until Valentine's day to do your next video, it's going to feel unnatural again. And so what I've found in practice over the last couple of years of, of really wanting to get good on video is that consistency is the key and just getting, again, that gets you more comfortable with the tools. It gets you more natural in your rhythm. You're organically going to start to create your own little templates and intros and outros that you can repeat use. And um, so whether it's you individually or it's your marketing team, your sales team, your content team, that's the most important thing for me right now is just that consistency of creation and not feeling like every Every video has to be the big one, right? And you can do this by, hey, if you do a weekly blog, what if every two weeks that blog included a video and that video was a summary of the top points in that post in maybe a little visual way, right? Like maybe you've got a little whiteboard where you have like some of the key takeaways and you're just on camera talking about it and you do a little bit of editing on it to add a little intro and an outro. Maybe you call it whiteboard Wednesday and you know, every second Wednesday your blog post has a little whiteboard video with it, whatever it is, right? Find a reason to do it and you may get value from the content, but just equally important is you'll start to get into that rhythm of video content creation. And to your point, two years from now, you won't be feeling like, oh, crap, I really wish I had figured out video because now I'm really paying for it, right? Just get it, get ahead of the curve. It practice, practice makes perfect. And as as you know, my journey, I started off by making uh, mixology videos and just practicing different camera angles and and doing that. So we we talked about explainer videos. I think those are really great, especially for onboarding clients uh, Mm -hmm. and explaining mid-funnel, lower funnel, what your products do. So work with product management and product marketing to make some of those. A little bit about Vidyard, if you guys don't know Vidyard. So we are a client. We use Vidyard on the demandgen.com website. So if you go to our resources area and you watch videos, they are served up by the Vidyard platform. And Tyler and I have mentioned YouTube many, many times. So you're probably thinking like, why does a guy who runs marketing at Vidyard talk so much about YouTube? Because there are two primary use cases in terms of serving up your content. The experience on your website, at least what I believe, you wanna use a platform like Vidyard to serve those videos up because you control the experience, number one. Also, you can track engagement and see the number of views so you know what people are watching and how long they're watching. You can also do some things like dynamic content, which is amazing, but topic for another time. So when it's on your site, that really should be served up by Vidyard. And uh, again, this is not sponsored by Vidyard. Uh, Maybe it should be, Tyler. No, but it's not. (laughs) And I'm just a big fan of the platform. And by the way, recently, it's free. So if you want to try Vidyard out, for free, actually free forever for life. You can make five videos, I think, right? And and put them up on your website. It's a good place to start. And as you know, Tyler, we we use the heck out of the platform and every yep. now and then I send you a note that you guys need to increase our, our space. Uh, the CSM needs to increase the space for what we're doing. And so I for that experience, control it and check out Vidyard. They also have a tool called Go Video, which is really neat because your sales team or even your marketing team can make little explainer videos and shoot some videos and send them out uh, in emails and other places. So I would say check it out. Both of those tools are free, so it costs you nothing to discover. And then if you like it and want to use it, you'll go from there. And I even I think once you start paying for it, it's like, what, 19 bucks a month or something like that. It's not... You, you, you guys have definitely taken the hosting uh, and analytics of video and made it affordable for everyone. So it's kind of like no excuse. So why why do we talk about YouTube? Do you want to hit that, Tyler, since I was your 
little infomercial. Sure. I mean, I'm a fan, so I'd rather talk about how passionate <laughs> I am than than the head of marketing saying, "Go try our stuff for free." Like, I love yeah, it. Go well, do it. I appreciate that, David. Um, but it, so, so to your point, uh, YouTube is one of many channels, and you mentioned your website. But the way I think about it is, right? Video does not equal. YouTube video does not equal in any individual channel, if you will. Uh, so think about like in your own marketing and sales programs, videos could be going out on it's probably 10 to 15 different channels, right? There's YouTube, there's Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, there's your website, there's your landing pages, there's your email marketing, um, there's direct one-to-one emails from sales reps. There's all sorts of channels in which videos may be going out. Um, YouTube itself is a great destination site and it is a great channel to put your videos. And when you do that, you upload them to YouTube and the native YouTube player will take over from there. Um, and that's great. And, you know, absolutely your business should be leveraging YouTube because it's a free online channel to bring people into your brand. Um, but it's when it comes to, to your point, embedding videos on your website, on your landing pages, in your email campaigns, and one-to-one emails, that's where YouTube uh, really breaks down and is not the best solution for hosting those videos. So, but let me rewind to um, to YouTube as a distribution channel because I'm all in on, you know, you should be taking advantage of YouTube. But the problem with most companies' YouTube channels, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in, my, my favorite way to think about it, David, is, most companies' YouTube channels become their video retirement home. Yeah. And it's basically any videos I've created, I upload to YouTube and they're exposed in my channel. And like, why not? Why wouldn't I? It's a free place to host them. And that's fine, right? There's no not real problem with all of your videos just lingering on YouTube. But the problem is when you're not really using your YouTube channel for what it could be right? Because YouTube channel is like any other social media channel. It's an opportunity to build an audience, to drive inbound awareness into your brand, to drive subscribership and, and, and you know, audience building, and then convert people back to your main website and places where they want to learn about you. But on YouTube, it's all about, right? Just like social, it's all about them. So you need to create content and distribute content on your YouTube channel that's designed for that level of an audience, right? Your product demo doesn't belong on YouTube. People aren't going to YouTube to find your product demo, right? They're not going to YouTube to find your customer stories. They're going to YouTube to find an answer to a question, right? So the, you know, their question might be in the case of Vidyard, it might be, um, you know, how do I track video analytics, right? So we need a video on our YouTube channel that answers that question. How do I track video analytics? And we can talk about that at a high level to build trust, to earn their, uh, to earn their uh, viewership. And then, yeah, we may have some other content sprinkled in there that starts to introduce them to Vidyard. But it's about you know thinking about it as a channel to interact with audiences who are using YouTube largely as a search engine. Um, the second thing about YouTube is its subscribership model. And we see a lot of shows on YouTube in the consumer world, right? right. You got YouTubers and all this kind of stuff. Yep. So that's the other thing that we're seeing is companies doing video shows just like audio podcasts and using YouTube as their channel to put those shows out into market. Because in that case, you can, of course, drive inbound traffic because people discover and they like it. It's interesting. It's novel. Um, but there's also that built-in subscription model. So in your video show, you can always say, hey, want to check out the next episode? Hit that subscribe button to follow the series. And that's taking advantage of YouTube subscribership. And again, B2C companies, YouTubers have always known that. But in the B2B world, we've never really thought about it in that way. And, and, and I think the time has come for us to do that. And it's something we're starting to see some success with, with our own content and our own uh, dedicated video shows uh, as well. Cool. 
Let's do this as we wrap up. First of all, I want to give a shout out to Carlos Camargo, one of my loyal listeners who has a service. He's in the mortgage industry, very specialized area of the mortgage industry. And I'm going to just challenge you, sir, because I know you're going to listen to this episode someday. So there's a little Easter egg in there for you. Make a video about the mortgage products that you represent because there's a challenge for you. And you are always asking me for ideas and what to do next. I'd love to see you take that action. And for any of you listening, just find a topic, find something and make that first video. And then as Tyler says, like stick with it so it doesn't feel like this unnatural act, anything that you do on a regular and consistent basis becomes habit and you will find that you will just go from this unknown area to this level of comfort. It's how I was with a podcast. I mean, I'm approaching like 140, 150 episodes. And when I first did it, it was like scary, daunting. Do I have the mic levels right? Is this going to work? How do I publish it? And thanks to Justin on our marketing team, I get to focus on the content and he does all the production. And I bet for any company that truly embraces video, they'll get to that model where you've got the people that are recording the content and making it. And then you've got the the back office that is, is producing it just to divide and conquer and build up that skills, expertise and, and production. Uh, the other thing is, if you like this topic of video, Tyler, you are producing your own content. So Creating Connections is the name of your podcast, correct? Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. So I've got a show called Creating Connections. It is available as a podcast on all of your favorite podcast channels. And it is also a video series on the Vidyard YouTube channel. Uh, so that's a great example, Dave, where I'm, I'm producing content and being able to um, productize it in multiple ways across different channels. So we actually create the video version of the, of the episodes first, publish those on our YouTube channel, and then we take the audio and publish that through the podcast. So, uh, so check those out. And as you mentioned, there's lots of great um, information in there. Uh, we do interviews with people to talk both about using video in business. So lots of companies who are seeing success are sharing their secrets on what did they do? How did they approach it? How are they producing? Um, but there's also some great uh, content in there talking about beyond just video and looking at worlds of demand gen, content marketing, word of mouth marketing, sales development, and how those areas are evolving and, and the role of humanity and, and being personal uh, plays in, in those spaces. So, cool. um, so yeah, check it out. Thank you. And here's my challenge for us, our, our action item, our follow-on, because we've done now a couple podcasts together. Let's you and I make a video. Uh, you know, I've gone out speaking for you guys before in terms of demystifying how to make videos and the equipment, all that. Can we yeah. make a video for your YouTube channel where I show the tools and how to produce like a short little video? I'll, I'll show my tricks of the trade with Final Cut and, and the music and the editing. If that pleases your audience and your channel, I would love to do something like that so that we can just demystify Because it's hard on a podcast to show really how simple yep. this is. But since you've got a platform for that and an audience who loves to do videos, if that's relevant content, count me in. I'll do it. Perfect. Video production for non-producers by a non-producer, right? That's what we need right now. That's it. Um, let's do it. All right, buddy. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, Thank you, seriously, everybody tuning in. I look at the metrics on the podcast. Can't believe that we have 50,000 listens every single month. Uh, and it just keeps growing. And what is helping tremendously, and I want to make one ask to all of you, is if you can take a moment, 
go to iTunes, scroll in your phone if you would, and just give the podcast a, a rating. Click with your thumb. It, it takes a second. And that really helps amplifies and exposes the channel to more and more people, as well as you word of mouth and telling your colleagues and friends about it. I love doing it. I love bringing folks like Tyler and others on the program to just educate and inspire you. And I'm going to keep doing it forever. Uh, and I love for you to help uh, as you are. Keep amplifying and giving me your feedback. And hey, if you can make a video, send it to me. I would love to know that at least one person out there who listened to the podcast, took action, made something and shared it. And that would be really, really cool. But that's going to do it. Tyler, take care. My best to the team. And we'll catch all of you on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 